you're gonna be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's gonna get ugly, man. They're gonna buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're gonna fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're gonna meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs, and that's it. Amen! Hello, I'm Kieran Valet. Welcome to New Favorite Movie, the podcast where I put my movie knowledge to the test. Every week I invite a guest on to talk about their favorite movie, and based on what they pick, I suggest a movie that they've never seen. In the end, we see if my recommendation was successful. This week on the podcast, I'm happy to have the president of the Cary Grant fan club, which is good news for me because I'm starting the Ingrid Bergman Appreciation Society. It's Alicia Kosnick. Kosnick, yeah. Kosnick. All right. (laughs) Alicia Kosnick. (laughs) Thank you very much and uh, welcome to the show, Alicia. Thanks for having me. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Oh, nothing to be nervous about. We've had, you know, you're at least a movie lover. Like we met uh, on Letterboxd, which is the hub of crazed movie fandom. So like, I, I, I think you'll be fine. I think I have, I have faith. You'll be, you'll be great. So Awesome. <laughs> the uh, the first question I have uh, just before we get into the movies here is you live in Toronto and that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. cities to go to for movies because of TIFF. Do you have a favorite movie theater in Toronto? Probably the TIFF like Lightbox. Um, I, I would want to say like a cooler old theater but I don't know I feel like the old theaters here are, are great but they're all kind of like janky. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. And and then the problem is the light box brings in all the old movies that those yeah. older independent cinemas should be bringing in anyways. And so it's sort of like, well, you get the best of both worlds. It's a nice cinema and you get to watch the old classics. Exactly. Yeah. So And not- I am from Burlington or- originally. So um, like I've been to like Playhouse in Hamilton and like that's such a nice old theater. I wish we had something like that here. Yeah. And I feel like they have a better programming than the old theaters do in Toronto, which is weird, but. <laughs> I, I sort of found that as well. Like when I lived in Toronto, there was a lot of um, like the old sort of two screen cinemas or three, like, you know, those, not the big multiplexes. They were sort of stuck mm-hmm. between like, what kind of programming do we do? Do we bring in the new, like the hot new movie that might pack the, the theater or do we bring in the older stuff that, you know, only the like deep film lovers will love. And so I find, like Playhouse specifically, like you just cited, does a really great job of being like, nope, this is what we are. This is our lane, you know, take yeah. it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. They have they do a good mix of the new stuff and the old stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah. We, we also have, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to the Westdale Theater in Hamilton, but like, no, it's it's very similar. It, it like, it's probably sort of like the quote unquote, like original Playhouse for Hamilton. Like, you know, it's a one uh, screen cinema and, they used to only show independent stuff. They're right beside okay. the the university, so like they've started to change now, where they bring in newer stuff to like get the university students to come. But that was like uh like that was like a great like date spot when I was in university because it was like well it's it's the old movies that I love and it's right around the corner from the university, so it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, Have you ever been to the theater that's in um, Jackson Square? Oh. That's like, if I have to go to like oh my a, God, I... <laughs> a new theater, that's my favorite one. So I, have you gone since they renovated it? Yeah, I went once, like probably right before the pandemic. And 
it was crazy. I was like, I should have brought like a blanket and a pillow. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> so cozy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Full so. reclining. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like yeah. my absolute favorite. If, if I'm going to see a new movie, that's, that's where I'm going. I'll wait till it comes to, till it comes to Jackson square, just to make sure that I get to see it there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the only other question that I sort of have for you before we start here really is you like, you're a bit of a designer. You're a bit of a DIYer. Uh, do you ever like do you ever get inspiration from movies like are you when you watch something do you sort of say like oh I love that like I'm gonna try and recreate you know whatever the thing is maybe in the background yeah I think sort of yeah I think I'm always like inspired by like old musicals and stuff just the way they use like color um I mean I don't really do that much like fun projects as as, like aside from work but (laughs) yeah I think it's I always just like feel so inspired after watching a really like beautiful movie is there any like directors that you can point to and sort of say like their style sort of lines up pretty closely um I mean I I feel like not really one I feel like just like the old musicals in general like anything technicolor I'm just like okay <laughs> I want to live inside this movie now yeah. <laughs> is there is there one that jumps to mind then or well I feel like the obvious one that comes to mind is like umbrellas of Cherbourg Unreal. like it's yeah. just like the most beautiful ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like singing in the rain like you know stuff like that I don't think I've actually ever seen singing in the rain it's oh my gosh the 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 musical thing has been like a slow sort of I've dipped my toes in Mm-hmm. I'm slowly getting there, but yeah, Umbrellas of Sherberg is incredible. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen? Um, I'm sure you have. If you're citing Umbrellas of Sherberg, but like, what are your thoughts on uh, the Young Girls of Rochefort? I actually haven't seen any of his other movies. I need to catch up on that. That's a blind spot for me. <laughs> definitely, definitely check yeah. that one out. I, yeah. I sort of I watched one and then immediately checked out the other, and I was like, wow, this guy like jogged to me just doesn't miss. So like, yeah. All right. Well, I guess like. We're, we're kind of talking about musicals here. I guess it's a pretty good way to transition into the movie that you picked for the podcast. Do you want to uh, introduce it? And then for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm not sure how many people have been out there, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, can you give a little brief plot description as well? Yes. Yeah, so I picked Almost Famous and it is about a 15 year old kid who is like obsessed with music and wants to be a journalist and somehow gets his way into going on tour with one of his favorite bands and writing about them. And turns out that he'll get to do it for like Rolling Stone. So it becomes even like a bigger thing and just kind of the trials and tribulations of what it's like to be like on tour with a band in the seventies when you're 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I get that's, that's like the key part is this guy, yeah. um, William, I think his name is right. And then yeah, he's like, yeah, you find out early on in the movie that his mom, who's played by Francis McDormand, has lied to him his whole life and told him that he's one age and actually he's much younger. And so, yeah, yeah like he's this 15 year old kid. I think he's like, and he's graduating high school. And yeah, yeah, because he skipped a couple of grades. <laughs> yeah. And he goes on tour yeah. with this band in the 70s and, you know, gets corrupted kind of. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, can you, like, do you remember sort of when and where was the first time you saw Almost Famous? Oh, yes, vividly. Yeah. (laughs) It was, um, I was driving up to visit my grandparents in, like, Sudbury, 
um, with my parents and I had like just went to like Roger's video and like rented a bunch of movies to watch on my portable DVD player remember those <laughs> like laying in the back of the car and I just thought the cover of Almost Famous looked cool and I was like just starting to get into movies so I didn't know what it was and I'm like okay I'll watch this so I watched it in the car and I was like obsessed with it as soon as we got to my grandparents house I like went and sat in the living room and watched it again I was like this is so good <laughs> Was it, was the, was it like the music? Was it, um, the way it's felt like what, what sort of like sparked that obsession? Like you're saying? Yeah, I think I was just like relatable for me. Like, not that I've ever gone on tour with a band, but I, I was like 13 or 14. So like near William's age. And like, I feel like it was just, I could relate to him, even though he was like living out this extravagant dream. I still felt like it was still very relatable and I've always loved music too. So I'm like, wow, this would be so cool if I could do this to kind of like live through his character but yeah was it was the music that you're into like was it that sort of 70s rock that he's kind of falling in love with or was it just oh sort God, of music no. in general yeah music in general I feel like at that time was my like emo kid phase and I was like obsessed with Fallout Boy so <laughs> definitely not as cool as William <laughs> I, th- I think I had about a week of Fallout Boy where I was like yeah this is the best band in the world and then somebody else came along and I just moved on yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah so you're saying like it was sort of an immediate obsession and immediate love of this movie um like how many times have you watched it now over the last you know however many years can can you oh gosh. can you guess at all or is it just too much? I would if I had to guess, I'd probably say like at least like 15 times. Like I usually watch it like once a year. It's just like a so. like a like a comfort go-to. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I like find, anytime yeah. it's ever like playing in a movie theater, I'll go see it. Oh like, I, I think in the theater. This this gets probably like a lot of revival screenings, I think. Yeah. I wish, and they just had their 20th anniversary, but that was like during the pandemic. So I feel like they would have done something for that, which would have been cool. But of course, yeah, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Last two years, just yeah. a write-off. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think like I was kind of. I don't. Know, it's one of those movies that I, I like. I remember watching, you know, within a year or two of it coming out, and sort of being like, "Oh wow, this is really, really good." And Mm-hmm. you know, sort of not what I was maybe expecting it to be or whatever. And then, but then it's also one of those movies that I don't go back to that often for like, just whatever reason, I know it's good. And so like going back this time, I like you get that nice sort of nostalgia, you get that nice, you know, wave of like, oh yeah, this is really, really good. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's one of the few movies that I return to that often that isn't just like, a romantic comedy like those are usually the ones I kind of want to throw on when I just like need something comforting so yeah I feel like Almost Famous is the only one that's like in that mix that isn't like a, a cheesy movie <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I think um I was gonna just talk about Cameron Crowe as well because it's it's kind of interesting for him because the whole movie is like kind of loosely based on his own life yeah um mm-hmm. growing up anyways and like I don't know sort of what happened to him because it does feel like this movie kind of I don't know like I don't want to say it broke him but Mm -hmm. there's definitely like a before after almost famous and then an after almost famous of his career and it's sort of like just not the same yeah yeah (laughs) I know I I did kind of like Elizabethtown even though it was bad it was like good for what it was and then 
just after that every movie he made was like not good <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's like really tough going yeah because <laughs> like before this too like before he had like um well he wrote fast times at ridgemont high mm-hmm. um i don't think he directed that though um and then no. there's say anything and singles and jerry Maguire, and you're like man this is a pretty impressive run um, yeah he started off really strong <laughs> really 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 strong really like a solid and then you, you can go back and watch any of those movies and they're all pretty good and then yeah the, there's this one and then i some people uh will defend vanilla sky i think vanilla sky is after this one i think yeah yeah um, and some people will defend that you know it's all right you know there's good ideas in there but then yeah after that it's sort of like just off a cliff and i yeah i would love to know what happened i know <laughs> me too <laughs> i'm sorry i feel like it feels weird having a favorite movie where it's like you don't love all of that director's work <laughs> I mean, like sometimes I'm like, wait, is this still my favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I he just like struck gold on this, though. Like, I don't yeah. know. So, uh, I don't know. Like, um, is there any way you sort of like want to start? Like, what is maybe the thing that keeps bringing you back? Maybe just besides the like the comfort of the movie itself, is there one thing that always makes you want to put it back in? Yeah, I mean, I feel like just the way that it was written is like the the best part of it. Like, and and they won an Oscar for well, Cameron Crowe won the Oscar for writing it, I think, or he was at least nominated. But yeah, I think that's what really makes it such a good movie. You can tell in the writing and like the fact that it is like semi autobiographical. Um, it's it's fun to think like, oh, I wonder like if this actually happened with like a famous band, like which one was it? Um, I feel like there's always lores about like who the band-aids were based off of too, which is fun. But I think um, yeah. I, I I can agree with you. I think the the screenplay mm-hmm. it's you know the movie uh, the movie's quite long. It doesn't necessarily feel long, but it is you know over two hours and a bit or whatever. But I I yeah. found the like the introductions to our characters to be so efficient. So like within thirty seconds. Francis McDormand is, you know, bulldozing over this guy, I think over the spelling of his sign or something outside of his uh, store, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you immediately, yeah, like, oh, okay, excellent. that's who Francis McDormand's character is. Like, I get it. Yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the other big one is Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Bangs. His introduction, you're like, oh, okay. This guy is like a tornado of energy and I just, I get it. And so, yeah, I think I think there's like he obviously, you know, enjoys the sprawling nature of going on this tour and then all the stories that he gets to pack into that. But at the same time, he's like quite efficient to be like, this is who this character is, and I'm gonna show you in 10 seconds, and then we can just move on to something else. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting how he makes like real life people with like fictional characters too. And like, it, it would be interesting to know how much of the like, even real life characters are like that, like Lester Bangs, like, was he really crazy like that? And <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, like, I, I kind of wish he would be like, I, you know, I, I yeah. don't think I'd listen to anybody who'd be like, no, he was a really chill guy. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did love his introduction scene when he was talking about all the bands because you're just like god damn it like if you were one of those bands and you're like oh great there's this movie about music in the 70s and like 
you know, maybe I'm going to be <laughs> featured in it. And then Lester Bang's like, yeah, this band's shit. Like, yeah, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the like, there are obviously other supporting characters. Like, I don't know if, if you want to talk about the, the, the band, the Stillwater guys at all. I did love that, like, I think, is it the drummer who just, like, literally has nothing to say and then gets gets the interview and still has nothing to say and you're just like okay like that's a drummer yeah <laughs> I yeah I do have to say like the only thing I don't like about the movie is that it's like basically only Russell and then kind of um, like Jason Lee's character I forget uh, what his name is what's, but yeah what's his name oh, I'm gonna look this, that the lead singer but yeah and like it, it's kind of weird how like they are both in it and then the other two guys are just like never here from them yeah I did, until um, they're all gonna die on the plane <laughs> yeah <laughs> the uh J- jason lee's character is, is jeff bb i just looked it up there because right yeah because then yes, he has that yes. thing with the jeff bb band or whatever that was the original mm-hmm. name but uh yeah I, I do wonder so i did like a little bit of research after i watched the movie and the the thing that was the most interesting and, and maybe you've read this before is uh, Brad Pitt was originally supposed to play Russell. Yeah. And and so that's where that golden god line comes from is because obviously Brad Pitt has blonde hair and uh, Billy Crudup does not. So it was sort of like, well, where did mm-hmm. that come from? And so I do wonder if from like the original story or whatever, you know, obviously the Russell character is still quite big, but it was written for Brad Pitt. So like that maybe makes a little bit of sense. Um, yeah that is true yeah yeah whereas like you know who knows who was going to be in the rest of the band so like we're going to focus on this character and then I don't know Brad Pitt dropped out or they moved on or something like that and then Billy Crump just comes in but yeah like it would have been nice to maybe see more of the band dynamic and you really just do get these two guys sort of butting heads the entire time yeah but yeah it's it's crazy to think if that movie was made with Brad Pitt it'd be completely different movie I I kind of I read it and I was like I don't know if that's better. Like I really like Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. but I don't. Think yeah, I'm it's sure he'd do a great movie. job. Yeah. No. Yeah. It would just be like very different. I think yeah, like Billy Crudup. Yeah. I think at this time too, like he he'd obviously done some stuff, but I when I would have seen it the first time, I wouldn't necessarily have known who he was, and so like that just makes it easier to be like, well, he's just Russell, and, and he's just yeah, the guitarist in the band. So, yeah, for sure. And that probably helps too, right? I think this was probably the first thing I saw him in. So yeah, it definitely yeah. helps like not come in thinking he's like somebody else. Well, I think, yeah, like it, you run that risk. I, I can't remember sort of what episode I was talking about. This was somebody and it's like having Brad Pitt maybe gives Cameron Crowe more money to make the movie. But then at the same time, right. us watching it is really, well, that's just Brad Pitt. So like, I don't necessarily, yeah, yeah. he's not a guitarist from a 1970s band. So yeah very true um i think the other one that sort of surprised me on this watch and i don't like i don't know again i don't know the origin story of the character but i got the sense that kate hudson as uh penny lane maybe wasn't supposed to be as big a character in the movie and then like she just got there and like did what she did and it sort of made cameron crowe have to be like well, we need to film more of this performance because this is crazy good. Right. I, I've heard that too. Like, I, I don't remember if I read that, like somebody confirmed that was true, but I have, I've definitely read that people speculated that because yeah, that's, that was kind of weird too, how like she's the one that the 
the like one band-aid that's like in it the most right yeah i mean it was sort of just yeah. like, there's a lot of scenes where she's by herself or she's like with one other person and you're sort of like mm-hmm. this may have just been it's all good added I mean, in yeah this may yeah. have just been added in because she just started killing it and so like yeah just want as much of that on screen as possible and yeah i think like this this time through i was like i i really feel like the story probably started as william and, and russell um and that was probably the genesis of the story and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. kate hudson shows up and you're like well this is lightning in a bottle we just need to capture as much of this as possible yeah yeah for sure and it makes sense because i'm sure like and back in that day like there were tons of groupies so it definitely whoa, adds whoa, to the story it makes it interesting not groupies, not groupies. <laughs> sorry sorry band-aids band-aids <laughs> they love the music <laughs> the um yeah like i, I don't know like i i think that one of the things i loved especially early on first of all this this would have been the first thing i saw zoe deschanel in and Mm-hmm. She had a, a a big impact on the next 10, 15 years of my life. So <laughs> mine too. <laughs> it's like, oh man. She it was a bit weird to see her without the fringe though. So without the bangs, because yeah, it was like, well, that's her look. Very rare forehead appearance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she um she leaves early on in the movie. She's William's older sister and she leaves early on, but she crucially leaves behind this like treasure chest of music for him to to find and discover and mm-hmm. i was curious because something similar happens in the in the next movie that we'll talk about but did you have sort of an older person in your life that maybe did the same thing with music or movies or books or anything like that not really i'm an only child so i didn't have like a cool older sibling but i guess like my dad kind of influenced my music taste because he listened to a lot of like Beatles and stuff. So I always kind of liked that. And that probably made this movie more enjoyable for me because I was like, oh yeah, I like this old music. I wasn't like obsessed with it, but I was like, yeah, okay, this is familiar to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think um, that, that sort of like discovery of stuff is so exciting and so sort of you know, you just keep chasing it and keep chasing it, especially I find with music where it's it's quite easy, especially now with Spotify or whatever, you just jump on and you can go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even even my dad would always say like, oh, it's crazy that you like this old music. Like when I was a kid, we didn't listen to music from like the 40s, but it's just like there's wider access now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, I sort of, I don't want to say that like, music and stuff wasn't important in in my house growing up but like I do only remember Mm -hmm. like we had like three albums in the house and two of them I think were U2 albums like my parents are from Ireland and so two of them were U2 albums and so it was sort of like everything else I just had to find on my own Um, (laughs) it's like it's a lot of fun but then at the same time you meet people who grew up in musical household or whatever and they're like oh have you heard this album I've never heard of the band so (laughs) I have no idea did that make you love you too or did you like despise it because you heard it too much I love you too I love you too so (laughs) they were were my first ever concert I went my mom got me tickets and I went with my mom and yeah they were incredible they were incredible so to this day still love them (laughs) at least it had good influence (laughs) exactly exactly um we're talking sort of about the music and stuff and Mm-hmm. do you ever just listen to the soundtrack of 
this this movie because it's got to be one of the best sort of jukebox soundtracks really oh yeah for sure yeah it's probably like my favorite soundtrack ever but and they actually just released like it on vinyl for the 20th anniversary so we're meaning to pick that up yeah it's just so good it's probably not a bad song (laughs) yeah it's probably crazy expensive on vinyl but like Oh yeah. Would be worth having having for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I did sort of in advance ask you, I don't know if you had time to maybe think about it, but Stillwater as a band, where would you have them sort of as like fictional bands and movies, like sort of a a best of fictional bands? Mm -hmm. I I like feel like it'd be they'd be up there. I, it sucks that there's only two songs in the movie that they sing. That's the only thing. Like, I wish there were more, but they're both like good songs. But I'm glad you asked me ahead of time because the only one that came to mind at first was like Scott Pilgrim, like a couple of bands in there that are great. Yeah. But I honestly was blanking on any other ones. I had to like Google and refresh my memory. <laughs> I had, yeah, I, I, Stillwater, I think is, you know, we, we only get the two, the two songs, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. the two songs are both pretty great. So I, I would have them in there, um, yeah, especially I sure. think, yeah, just for the like dynamics of the band as well, like beyond their music, you're like, yeah, that's probably a real band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They, they exactly. all hate each other, but they all love each other <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Clash of Demon, I'm glad you, you talked about Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Clash of Demon Head, you know, maybe cheating a little bit because that's just essentially metric, but like it's good stuff good stuff. oh yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> metric is also my favorite band so that makes me like biased but <laughs> there you go that's not a bad one to have so yeah <laughs> um did you ever see uh nick and nora's infinite playlist yes i haven't watched that probably like since i was in high school but i did enjoy that movie a lot back then maybe controversial i'm sure you know somebody out there might message me about this but i think the band wears fluffy a great band name. oh my gosh where's fluffy great band, that. great band name <laughs> and like yeah. going off of just pure faith i have no evidence to support that they are actually a great band but all of the music that nick and nora were talking about in the movie was all the mm-hmm. music that i was also into so if their favorite band was where's fluffy i'm just going to assume i would also enjoy where's fluffy yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you have to assume yeah that's a really great soundtrack too I, I always forget about that movie I need to rewatch that the music in that one was sort of just like I was getting into that sort of indie rock music at the mm-hmm. same time and then all of a sudden that movie showed up and it was sort of like I don't know like a rom-com with Michael Sarah. I don't know if I want to watch the movie but the music so good so yeah. so good yeah oh yeah so good <laughs> Definitely a good time capsule of that year too. Like oh yeah, oh early absolutely. early twenty tens. Oh yeah. yeah, everyone walking around with like skinny ties on and stuff like that, and you're just like, yep, yep. I definitely <laughs> tried that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you sort of want to bring up about Almost Famous? Is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on? Um, I mean the big best scene with tiny dancer i mean that's like one of the best like music moments in a movie (laughs) i think it's uh that comes like right after the whole golden god thing yeah and so yeah like that sort of that house party into the into the bus scene with tiny dancer is like that's probably the peak of the movie i think that's when it was like oh yeah for sure wow you guys have hit this out of the park oh yeah 
it's it's a good like cheesy heartfelt moment too it's like all these people on this bus hate each other but like a good song comes on and music just brings people together again you know (laughs) i've definitely had that sort of I, i won't say names but i definitely had that feeling with with friends and stuff where you're just like at a party and you're just like god you know I kind of don't want to be here. And then all of a sudden something just hits and you're like, whoa, this is, this is, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is great. So, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, what, what did you think of the, uh, the plane crash scene this time around? This is like the only part of the movie I don't love. Yeah. I, I feel like it wasn't like necessary. It's not like my favorite scene, but like I said before, it's nice that at least like the other dudes in the band get to talk then. <laughs> I and I mean, I, it's pretty funny how the one guy's just like, I'm gay. And then the plane's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I just, like, I just, he's not, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say he's not terrible, but I, I just like bump up on all the scenes that Jimmy Fallon shows up for. Cause you're sort of like, well, this is Jimmy Fallon. Like, you know what I mean? Of, of all, yeah, we talked yeah. earlier about Brad Pitt and sort of like, I, I get it at that time. He wasn't really Jimmy Fallon, but watching it in 2022, you're sort of like, eh. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, you can't disconnect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it'd be like if uh, James Corden showed up in the movie, you're just like, eh, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it is pretty crazy how many people that are like big today have like really small roles in this movie, too. I like jams them in there. Yeah. Is there is there one last sort of sales pitch? Let's do that. If for anyone who hasn't seen Almost Famous, you know, you've got Alicia saying it's fantastic. You've got me saying it's fantastic, minus a few scenes with Jimmy Fallon towards the end. <laughs> is there any last sales pitch that you would give somebody to be like, this is the movie that you should be watching tonight? I mean, I feel like Frances McDormand is a good selling point too. Like her character is just great in it, if anything. Like, I mean, obviously she's not in it much, but every single time she's on the screen, she just like steals the show. I love so good. I love the scene where like she's actually she's like a a college professor or something like that and so I love the scene where she's at (laughs) like in class and she's trying to teach and then like breaks down halfway through and is like rock and roll stars have kidnapped my child and you're just like yeah Yeah. and the girl is like taking notes (laughs) the girl's taking notes and it's gonna be on the test it's like yep (laughs) that's pretty fantastic I I think if I was gonna give a sales pitch like a the music is unreal mm-hmm. both both the the real songs and, and the the fictional songs for for the band anyone who loves philip seymour hoffman you already talked about france mcdormand anyone who loves philip seymour hoffman he gets like yeah four scenes and all of them are just dynamite so, oh yeah yeah yep. i think and yeah. just like so quotable so quotable so quotable yeah. i love all the stuff about the bands I love when he talks to to William at late at night and it's sort of like, you know, we're uncool. Like that whole speech yeah. about being uncool is, yeah. you know, there's a part of you who's like, oh man, I wish I could have watched this when I was 12 or 13 and, you know, felt a little uncool. And sort of like, no, this, <laughs> this guy here is saying it's that, okay. that's yeah. the, the best people are the uncool ones. It's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, like I don't know. Just anyone who hasn't seen it, go see Almost Famous. It's twenty oh, yeah. years old it's and it's the best. The best. It hasn't aged a yeah. day, really. So No. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good thing too, is it like it still holds up. Oh, I think I, I kind of think it gets 
almost better because even better yeah yeah like you start to understand or you start to pick up things in the background um especially with like their interactions with real musicians i don't i don't necessarily know if they're real musicians making cameos but like they talk about bowie they talk about you know this road manager card game that they all play and you're like those sort of things could only be true like i don't know how you would make that sort of stuff up so like that stuff had to have come from cameron crow just being in these rooms listening oh yeah i'm sure yeah Yeah. so any anyone who's got like a passing interest in sort of rock Mm -hmm. history or, or or music of this time like almost famous just captures it so perfectly for sure and I also just discovered a couple of years ago that there's a director's cut version that's 30 minutes longer. So <laughs> have, you, have you seen it? <laughs> yes. Well, I've so watched that one probably only like three times, but. Okay. So then it's great. What was in those, what is in those 30 minutes? Like what are we missing out on? It, like, it makes sense that they were cut. Like they weren't really needed. Like there is one scene in the beginning um, when, like when William's still 11 where he's like the part where he's like in the bathroom and the guys are like combing out their mustaches. And he was like, he's like, where's my mustache? Like when he realizes he's young, but so like that part's extended. It's just like more little like slice of life kind of scenes thrown in there. Like they're definitely not necessary to the plot, but it's nice when it's like a movie you really like and you can make it longer. I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's um, like one of my favorite movies is heat, which is already Mm -hmm. three hours long. And then I think I was reading somewhere that there's like a new restoration or something coming out and they're adding a few scenes in. And I was sort of like, just give it to me. Like, it is pumped. Give, yeah. Just give me <laughs> all of it. Inject it into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think on, uh, on that note, we can sort of move over now to the, uh, to the movie that I recommended to you. Um, mm-hmm. So the movie I recommended was Sing Street which is, um, what year is that from actually? I did 2016, I think, 2016, 2017. So more recent. Yeah, more recent, yeah. More recent, but uh, we will be back in a second and we will be talking about Sing Street. We need to form a band. What? Connor's going to band care. Oh, good Jesus. You'd play every instrument known to mankind. Probably. Show them. It's all about the girl, isn't it? What's this? Homework. Have school in the morning. This is school. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. Jesus, what are you all wearing? All right, we are back and we've watched Sing Street. Uh, so Alicia, the first thing I'm going to challenge you with is a plot description of Sing Street. Oh gosh, if I had to like sum it up into one sentence, it's basically just like a long con to get the girl. (laughs) I think it's selling it a little short. (laughs) (laughs) Pretending you're in a band, starting a band, all just to get the girl. (laughs) I I couldn't remember that. Like I I did remember like he starts the band essentially to get the girl, but I, Mm -hmm. watching it this time, I was like, oh, he straight up like didn't have any friends in the school. Like, he didn't know anybody in the school when he <laughs> yeah. was like yeah I'm in a band and it's like oh, yeah okay like that is bold <laughs> I know 
couldn't even sing, couldn't play an instrument. And he's like, yeah, I'm in a band. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. respected it. Come, come, come be in our music video. is like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, like, uh, there was no other way that he could get himself to talk to the girl. <laughs> no, no. Well, just fake it till you make it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that, that could be yeah. the, the tagline for the movie. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want that kind of confidence. <laughs> the, the first thing I like how did you find it? How did you find Sing Street? What did you think of it? I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't like my favorite ever, but it was a really cute, it was like cornier than I was expecting it to be, but it was a really cute story. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take it. I'll take it. A cute story. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, I do hear you about sort of the corniness of it. Like it's certainly mm-hmm. not um aspiring to be this like document of a certain time like it's 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 set in the 80s whereas almost famous is in the 70s and you do feel like with sing street they're sort of this like well we're just gonna have fun with the 80s we're not gonna try and you know dig too deep into what was really going on at the time we're just gonna sort of talk about the music talk about the fashion and we can sort of leave it at that yeah, and I thought it was kind of fun that it was the 80s, though, because you would expect that to, normally those type of movies are like 60s or 70s, like, oh, these kids in school are going to start a band when they live in England. Like, you would think that it would take place then. <laughs> but... uh, I'm just going to correct you there. <laughs> they they live in Ireland. They live in Dublin. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa. You know. I don't have a huge listenership, but the listenership in Ireland would turn on me if I didn't correct them or if I didn't correct I'm sorry. you. So. I just insulted all of your people. Uh, yeah, I think I think like it is it is definitely interesting that it was you know set in the eighties. Like this is um, mm-hmm. almost famous as like semi autobiographical for Cameron Crowe. This is semi autobiographical for John Carney, the the writer and director. Um, and so like again you get those like little moments of truth where it's sort of like, well, that mm-hmm. could that could only have happened because this guy was there and, you know, he's remembering it in a certain way. Um, right. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like he seems, he seems to just sort of be like, I'm just going to go with fun and sort of light energy. Whereas Cameron Crowe is like, no, I kind of really want to show you what this was like. Like the nitty gritty. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I didn't know that this one was like semi-autobiographical, but that makes sense. And it's interesting that like most of his movies are about music. Maybe that's where Cameron Crowe went, went wrong. He only made one movie about music, really. <laughs> well, I think like John John Carney's kind of become the like go-to guy of this like he like a lot of not all of his movies, but a lot, the ones that sort of you know cross over into any sort of mainstream success always seem to be about like creating music and how exciting it is to be in the room when a song is being created and Mm -hmm. um i found that like he did that a few times in this movie where it would start with one guy in a room or two guys in the room and then he slowly starts like pan the camera and all of a sudden there's more people with more instruments and it's oh this is a really cool way of showing how a song gets built and right. so like, yeah, like I really, really sort of enjoy it. Like as a non-musical person, I really, really enjoy that in movies. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. Like he's got like this. And then the other, the other big one that I always remember is the, like, have you seen Begin Again? Yes. Not since it came out, but I did enjoy that movie. 
yeah he's got the there's like that great scene in that where they share an ipad or an an, an ipod i think and they have the, like the headphone splitter and it's oh like, yeah I, I remember seeing that and being like oh that's that'd be like a great date where you just sort of yeah wander the city and listen to music together and i don't know oh yeah that'd be, that'd be yeah. a great date <laughs> yeah oh yeah well even i feel like i used to do that with my friends too and it's just like people don't do that anymore people don't have the headphone splitters and ipods <laughs> i do have one sort of buried somewhere i think but like the ipod is dead and buried i think now so yeah i know un- sad times. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, i know i still have one somewhere too <laughs> how how did you uh how'd you find the accents maybe that's why i didn't love it <laughs> it was like it's pretty sometimes thick. Yeah, it was pretty thick. I I had to keep being like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> Almost need to watch it with subtitles. <laughs> it, think, it was pretty pretty authentic. <laughs> I can't I can't remember the character's name, but the it's the the kid who like becomes the manager with the red hair. And oh every, yeah, he was the worst. Every time yeah. he spoke, I was sort of like, well, okay, like I'm what? Gonna, I'm gonna go with it, but I have no idea what happened. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching it is I think you you watched it before I did and watching it this time I was like oh I probably should have warned her (laughs) (laughs) that's okay next time I'll use the uh subtitles help me out (laughs) yeah you you sort of we started with Sing Street and you were talking about like that sort of enthusiasm that these guys have as teenagers and I think like that was beyond the music that was like the other really sort of great part of the movie or like the fun part of the movie is that it's pretty true to like these guys are only doing it it well he's only doing it. our main character is only doing it to get the girl but like all the mm-hmm. other guys in the band are basically only doing it as well to get girls and so there's that there's that scene where like they're, they're thinking about going to do the show at the at the end of the year dance or whatever and they're all like oh, i don't know i don't know if we're ready i don't know if we're ready and then someone's like, well, is there going to be girls there? And they're like, yeah, probably. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm in. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's probably how it goes. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Classic teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that, though. Like, at the beginning, it's like, obviously, he's doing it all for the girl, but all the other kids that join the band, they don't really have anything. They're just like, sure, we'll be in your band. And then they realize, oh, okay, we are going to get the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did want to ask especially with that that first sort of meet cute scene between the 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 guy and the girl if a Mm -hmm. boy ever asked you to be in his band's music videos and then proceeded to sing aha's take me on would you say yes because like she was pretty quick to yes and i was sitting here being like well i don't know oh my god no so awkward maybe out of pity i would say yes but I mean, she didn't she ask him to sing something? So I guess she was kind of like if if, yeah, if like a guy just unsolicited like just started singing a song, I'd be like, okay, (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Like, I don't want to give anybody ideas, but like you do live in Toronto. I'm certain that you will have somebody break into song (laughs) pretty soon and just sort of, you know, I don't know if it'll be aha's take me on, but yeah, (laughs) I think it could happen. Yeah, yeah, anything can happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think the, the the other sort of connection that I, I saw this time 
is the uh like the big brother character and so like the uh i can't remember his name now but he's played by jack rayner mm-hmm. and he sort of i found that like he played zoe deschanel's character and lester bangs kind of all rolled into one yeah, so I, th- yeah. I thought that was quite interesting that was quite fun yeah I, I didn't think of it that way but he yeah definitely was like that that type of character for it when he when I first saw him on screen like I think the only other thing I've seen him in is Midsummer, so I had to like separate that at first <laughs> I was like oh he's like, not this crazy a, a bad boyfriend guy yeah yeah very different <laughs> and with the long hair <laughs> I think I think I took think, a minute to adjust. Yeah, I think this was like the first thing that I would have seen him in. I think he's done other sort of mm-hmm. Irish movies that I just haven't got my hands on. But this was like the first thing, and it was sort of like, oh, like who is this guy? You know, with long, you know, unkept hair, and he's all—he always seems to mm-hmm. be wearing like fingerless gloves. Oh, like, God, yeah. Ireland doesn't get that cold, and this looks like <laughs> it's in the summer. So, like, yeah, what's going on? He's just um, really committed to the look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then um, like watching it this time, I was like sort of zoning in on the music that he was giving uh, Connor, our main character, or, or the things that he was saying. And his line about there's the there's the scene where Connor is walking sort of the the main girl home, Rafina home, and then her mm-hmm. her like boyfriend sort of on again off again boyfriend shows up and. Connor's telling his older brother this and the older brother's like well what music was he listening to in the car and Connor's like Genesis and the brother's like it's not a problem like no no woman can love a man who li- listens to Phil Collins and I was like well I listen to Phil Collins so just smacking Genesis down right away like, it's like Jesus Christ like you know they're not that bad so yeah <laughs> actually comparing that to almost famous it's funny how like um the mom says that like simon and garfunkel is music about drugs (laughs) when it's like (laughs) the most beautiful music you'll ever hear yeah but it's all (laughs) two two extremes yeah (laughs) yeah oh man francis mcdormand was just on fire in that movie the best (laughs) the um lucy boynton as rafina Mm -hmm. have like you know, have you seen her in anything before this, since this sort of, you know, she's coming up a little bit now, I think, I feel like anyways. Yeah, I think I'd only seen her in like Bohemian Rhapsody before, but I did really like her in that. And I didn't know she was in this movie, like when I turned it on. So it was nice to see her because, yeah, I, do, I, I actually don't think I've seen anything else she's been in, but I do really like her. I sort of have to keep or keep reminding myself this time that like she's supposed to be playing like 16 17 year old girl um and i'm not sure if that's because like she looks a little bit older or he looks young i think um and so there's a yeah. little bit of that sort of like oh but she is she's supposed to be playing young she's supposed to be playing young like she's not actually supposed to be that old in the movie but i i just kind of i find her kind of captivating oh yeah for sure i think i think yeah was... i i kind of had to I kind of had to do that too because it's like especially because they don't meet like at school it's like yeah. outside of school I kept thinking she was like 25 and he's like 14 or something yeah well, like and like her yeah. whole her whole story is that like she wants to be a model and she's in mm-hmm. Dublin and she wants to go to London and she, you're sort of always like yeah okay that makes sense for like a 20 year old but she's you know 
16 or something and you're sort of like well like how, right how's that gonna work for you I don't I don't know <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah she definitely seems older I just find it yeah I find her like pretty captivating and like I think the the scene where I sort of was like oh boy okay like this is really really good stuff there's I think it's pretty early on as well and she's like removing makeup as she's listening to one of the songs that he gives her I think it's like the second or third song that he gives her and Mm -hmm. you sort of feel like it's like a pretty subtle thing and maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much but it felt like she was like taking off like armor or something you know what I mean like she had this persona or she had this you know thing about her like all the boys in the school talk about this like mysterious girl across the street and you see her and you're sort of like oh yeah okay I get it you know if I was a 15 16 year old boy I I would sort of be like oh who's that and then she like slowly over the course of the movie lets her guard down and you're just like oh this is really 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 good stuff from Lucy Boynton like she's slowly just reveals things as she goes you're like this is this is a good performance oh yeah for sure yeah I know I hope that she does get to be like in bigger roles in the future because she definitely has like star power yeah like I I I don't love uh Bohemian Rhapsody and I I don't think I'm gonna go ever go back and watch it again but (laughs) like if somebody put a compilation of like her scenes maybe I would sit down and watch that because like she would be the interesting part of that but yeah uh, I think uh you know but I think she she found love on that movie with Rami Malek so you know yeah good, good for her good for her <laughs> yeah, yeah I actually don't mind that movie but I feel like I just like any like music biopic <laughs> they're oh, all this, fun even when they're bad is this like a like a go-to genre for you then like I know these aren't necessarily music biopics but I wouldn't say go-to but I just always watch them like the rocket man one too I'm like that wasn't the best but like I like Elton John so is it is it just about like hearing the music on like you know the big screen the big speakers all that sort of stuff or yeah yeah I think so and I think it's just like interesting to see like real people's life story too right I think that's something that always drew me to almost famous too I'm like well this is like based on this kid's life right Mm -hmm. well I think uh is there any any sort of you know, I, I get the feeling that you're maybe like a little lukewarm on Sing Street, maybe leaning po- <laughs> maybe leaning positive a little bit, but is there any sort of like last sales pitch that you would, you know, tell anybody? Because I think Sing Street is definitely the lesser scene of these two movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I need to watch it again, give it another chance. I feel like I, I really liked it at the start and like their first couple of songs are good. And then I found by the end, like their songs were just getting like, they didn't seem like they fit with like the first couple of songs that they did. Like they got more like modern and poppy, which I thought was weird. Like the songs they play at the end, like, is it a prom that they're playing at? I forget. Um, I think it's like, or just a know. school dance or something. Yeah. I think it's like, it's like an yeah. end, of, end of term dance. Like, I don't necessarily know if prom was a thing in Ireland in the eighties, but like, it's essentially that it is essentially like the school year is over and they're having a dance and like a big dance. Yeah. yeah, And they, they, they go to an old boys school. And so they obviously there's an old girls school that must be, you know, down the road or whatever. And so they all get together for this, this dance or whatever. And so I think that's probably what was going on there. I, I actually think though, there's some line, I think in the, in the, movie somewhere 
maybe after the first music video that they make or the second music video that they make where Jack mm-hmm. Rayner's character is like, um, it's not bad and you'll get better. And I, I actually think that the songs got better, like the Drive It Like You Stole It song where mm-hmm. he has the like fantasy vision of the music video that he wants to make. And, you know, she shows up and in reality, she actually doesn't show up and all that sort of stuff. Um, I thought like that was like a pretty great pop song. Yeah. If, if you're if you're saying it may be too modern, I can understand that. Um, yeah, I think that's all it was. Like they're good songs, but it just seemed like there was a disconnect. But I guess it's kind of like how any band works. Like as they grow and evolve, their music is going to change, right? So I guess it was like a good representation of how that works, especially since they were so young and they were just like learning to play music. I, I did love that the older brother would give him a, a new album of whatever band. And like the next day at school, he would show up as that new band. Like, you're like dressed like that, yeah. <laughs> dressed exactly like that band. You're just like, yeah, that's exactly how, you know, I oh, was yeah. as a teenager. It's <laughs> like, oh, I like this. This is immediately my personality. And then, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. A week later, you move on to anything else. Do another thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely forget who the cure is. On to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like I guess we can, you know, sort of wrap it. Is there anything? last thing about sing street or or almost famous that you wanted to get in there that we we sort of haven't hit on yet i don't think so so well i think we can you know maybe wrap it up there uh alicia thank you very very much for for coming on and uh you're you're the first letterboxed friend that i have to to come (laughs) on so this this was a big help and uh, thank you very much for for you know giving me your time and, and watching these two movies especially the the harder trickier irish one with with all the accents <laughs> um, no my pleasure thanks so much for having me it's so fun well uh i will be back next week with another guest another movie and another recommendation so we will see everybody next week 